This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Oh, the excitement is unbearable in the city of Philadelphia and throughout the NFL world. We got a monster Monday night game in Kansas City as the, it's a replay of the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Philadelphia Eagles on their home field. Apparently, this has another subplot. We are awaiting the arrival of Taylor Swift on a private plane from Argentina, and she's going to be there. Get this. It's all cozy because for the first time, her parents, who hail from Wyoming, PA, just outside of Reading, the home of the great Ross Tucker, are actually going to meet Tay-Tay's parents for the first time. I mean, excuse me. They're going to meet Kelsey's parents for the first time. So it's Tay-Tay's parents from Wyoming, and they're going to be cozy up. With Kelsey's parents, and I got to tell you, I am so Kelsey now. I can't even stand it. But there's the subplot for the television station because you know that the camera's going to be focused on Tay-Tay, who makes the venture from all the way from Argentina. But you got to get give the girl credit, right? She was, she was raised an Eagle fan. Her parents are an Eagle fan. She's now hooked up with Travis Kelsey. He turns her colors all around. And I say, all right, let's get to the game. Um. A lot of historical uh, things in this game. Of course, last year when they faced the Super Bowl, it was Mahomes against uh, Jalen Hurts. And it was historic that two black quarterbacks face each other in the Super Bowl. So tonight, it is two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL facing each other for the second time. Uh, and this is a hard game to call. I'll tell you, I've been trying to handicap this game. The Eagles are only a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Arrowhead. Now, uh, that's an Eagles line. For people that uh, don't know how to, to interpret the line, Normally, the home team, a three-point favorite at home, solid. But uh, in this situation, the odds makers are saying, I'm not really sure about that that three-point gift because the Chiefs are at home. It's undercut it a little bit by a half point, which tells you some money coming in on the Eagles because that dropped down to two and a half. So if you're going to bet it, I, I would bet the Eagles. I actually think the Eagles are going to win the game tonight. But let's move on with the – the, the inner workings of this game. There's a lot of inner workings. First of all, the Chiefs defense under Steve Spagnola, my buddy, he used to be my neighbor when he was here. And when he was out of work, he lived around the corner. Uh, 15.9 points per game they give up. That's tied for second in the league. Yards per game that they give up, tied for fourth in the league. Good defense. The Eagles offense, conversely, 28 points a game, tied for third in the league in points. Yards per game, fifth in the league. So something's got to give. Good defense against good offense. We'll see how that works out. Uh, the Chiefs held Tyreek Hill last week to a low. Now, can they do that against A.J. Brown? A.J. Brown 
is just tearing it up, all right? 7.4 receptions a game, 111.7 yards per game. He's got six TDs. Tyreek Hill managed 62 yards last week, had been averaging like 19 a reception. They held him to 7.8 yards per completion last week. The Chiefs have a really good secondary. Now, let, let's look at this. Lejarius Sneed. It's going to get the assignment against A.J. Brown mostly. Lejarius Sneed holds wide receivers to a 54.9 rate. Uh, e. Well, we'll see about uh, what happens in this game. Now, uh, versus Bland last week for the Cowboys, the, you know, the, Bland was a good cornerback, right? He got ripped apart. 128.3 rate. They took Bland out, the Eagles did last week. So, who knows how successful Sneed's going to be? Three straight 100-plus ratings for Jalen Hurts. He's on a roll. Uh, how will Steve Spagnuolo play him this year? Now, last year, he played him by trying to get heat on him as much as possible. This year, the Kansas City Chiefs haven't blitzed a lot. They rely on their front four getting there. Plus, they, they don't know how to play Jalen Hurts here because the last time they saw him play at a hobbled knee, now he's rested. They say he's healthy. So what do you do? Do you play the old style uh, against Jalen Hurts where he's going to flash out of the pocket? Do you spy? you be conscious of it? What do you do? Spagnuolo's got to figure that out. The front four pressure that they get, though, is pretty damn good. Let's go over it. They've got 31 sacks, first of all. That's tied for second in the league. They've got the six most quarterback hits in the NFL right now, and they do it with four-man pressure. They've got... Uh, uh, Dana and Karloftis have a combined for 10.5 sacks. Their ends combined. Chris Jones, a tackle, five and a half sacks, 13 quarterback hits, five tackles for loss. Very formidable. Myelotta has allowed five sacks this year. Watch the matchups now as they go against Myelotta. The Kansas City pass defense, as we go back to that after I refer to Ladarius Sneed. They allow uh, a 84.5 rate total, 6.1 yards per attempt. That's the sixth in completion percentage against also with this. Good rush, good secondary. Casey offense has been mediocre this year, however. Here's what they do well. They protect Mahomes. Now, a lot of that is because he's mobile, gets rid of the ball. He throws it from different angles. Well, he only allowed 12 sacks this year. But the Kansas City offense is only average of 23.1 points per game. And it hasn't been a vintage Mahomes year. You're not are you hearing any MVP Mahomes talk right now? He's having a little luck lack loss of the year. 23.1 points per game is 13th in the league. Um, and um his uh 17 turnovers for the offense. That's third tied for third most in the league. Mahomes 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions. 271 yards per game. That is not great. Conversely, there's always the conversely in here. That's why I go back and forth on this game. I'm giving you strength and a weakness. Conversely, the Eagles have allowed a 99.9 rating to wide receivers, and they've also given up 14 touchdowns. So there's the scary part of it. Mahomes having a down year, not exactly lighting up the scoreboard, but the Eagles haven't really been able to stop wide receivers. He doesn't have great wide receivers. But again, he's Mahomes, and what he's got is the tight end. What's his name? Yeah, 
His name is Travis Kelsey. The Eagles allow a 130.5 rate to tight ends and five touchdowns. Kelsey gets 7.1 receptions per game. Who covers the tight end? Will they have to have Bayer come down as a safety? Will they trust Bradley Roby as a slot? Will they trust any of their linebackers? Will this year, this game will be Morrow and Cunningham? I don't know how that's going to work out, but you can rest assured that Andy Reid is going to target Travis Kelsey a lot. And then we're going to see Tay Tay. She's going to be doing this. She's going to be chest bumping with Brittany Mahomes. It's going to be a sickening sight. I got news for you. Darren, your thoughts on this? You do this thing with football that you do with baseball, and you should do it with baseball because baseball is a numbers game. Football is not a numbers game. There's too much emotion involved. There's week to week. Um, There's the eye test that I use in football more than any other sport. What I think they'll do with Kelsey is they will cloud him. So what a lot of teams like to do with him is bracket him where they'll put two people on each side of him. In this case, it would be a linebacker, maybe Cunningham, and probably Roby. What I think they will do is cloud. In other words, they have the bracket, and then they have a safety linger up top on him. So they're going to have two on him and the third set of eyes. Look, I look at the Chiefs right now. They're not playing their best football. Now, the Eagles aren't playing their best football either, but they're playing better than the Chiefs. I think the Eagles' defense will rock. I think the defense, the front seven with a healthy defensive line tonight will control the game like they do almost every game they play. So I think Hurts, there's enough Offensive talent. I know what they. I know what the Chiefs did to uh, defensively did to Miami, and that was impressive. But I don't think like, you can talk about Miami speed all you want. This is the the Eagles have the most complete offense. Now it hurts with uh, it hurts that Goddard is not in the game, and that will make a big difference tonight. That's my only concern is the middle of the field. Who's going to take over the middle of the field for the Eagles' offense? And that's a legitimate concern. Let's talk about what you said with, about, about this bracket plan. Now, do you not yeah. think that NFL defensive coordinators have tried to do that against him his entire yes. career? How successful has yes. that been? The bracket doesn't work on Kelsey. Too many teams try okay. it. I think well, the most, it, the most what are you talking about? Because I said they're not going to bracket him. I said the few teams that have had success on him will cloud him. In other words, they do a bracket. And then they have a safety linger up top. Okay, so they're going to do this with their linebackers, yeah. with Roby, and with Bayard. And they're going to have a safety, have a set of okay. eyes. Okay, all right. Well, top. listen, all I think points. you're taking this a little lightly on their effectiveness against the tight lightly, end because yeah. they don't cover tight ends at all. I, you're right, but I look, they don't have a running game right now, and they don't have wide receivers that scare me that are going to run past Bradbury and Slate tonight particularly. So, look, the, they, but they have that quarterback who can pull things out of his ass, uh, you know, like, and like no one else has ever played in the game. I just think the Eagles are the okay, better and team. And I think right the Eagles are going to win, too. Oh, so, we'll just see how this plays out. Now, again, I, I look at numbers because they're di- the dynamic. They point out the strengths and weaknesses of a certain team. So, when I say the Chiefs have only allowed 12 sacks, I also add that the Eagles – 
have accumulated 30 sacks this year, and they're third in quarterback hits. Something's got to give. That team doesn't give up sacks. The Eagles sack and pressure. Now, can they do that against Mahomes, or is that an invitation for disaster because of the way he wriggles out of there and throws from the side and makes plays out of his rear end? We shall see. It's tough with Mahomes because with the best quarterbacks, when you play a Brady or when you play Breeze or anybody, whoever else you want to say is a good quarterback, the best way to blitz a really good quarterback is right up the middle. And that's what the Eagles do really well. You can't really do that with Mahomes because he's always moving at 45-degree angles and manipulating the pocket. So it's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the defensive right, line. So I got to ask you this. Are you not phased or excited about – the arrival of a private jet from Argentina and the lovely blonde <laughs> miss Taylor Swift gets out of it and they whisk her by limo to the stadium just in time to meet the parental units with her parentals. You're not excited for that? Nah. There's got to be a play-by-play for that in this game. You're, you're, you're a Taylor guy. You're a Swifty. I am not a Swifty. But I am. I know that the coverage is going to be. There's going to be a camera that follows her off the tarmac, that follows the limousine, that follows her into the stadium, and stations themselves in that box where they get the parentals all cozied up. It's going to be beautiful, and the Swifts are Eagle fans. See, that's the one thing I do have interest in. Will they be decked out in Eagles gear or Chiefs gear? Because you know. God, don't be fugazi tonight, man. This is not the night to be well, a fake I fan. I, uh, the subplot is just enormous for me, and uh, I'm going to be paying attention to the Swift angle constantly and not DeAndre. Uh, okay, uh, there's your Eagles preview for tonight. Uh, I, my, here's my prediction. Eagles 27, Chiefs 25. I'm going to go, I think the Eagles get a few more points. I think 24, I'll go 24, 25 is a weird score. 27 to 24. I'm going to go 29-26, but I, I also have them winning. In a, in a, it's going to be a close game. 29-26. Yeah. What are you going to get 20, where's the 29 and 26 going to come from? What, what kind of point configuration is that? Could be a big uh, Jake Elliott. What? Nothing, you know? Jake, oh, Jake Elliott, what? What? What's three in the 26? Well, let's see. 29, you get 14 for two touchdowns, and you get 17, 20. You could have, uh, you know, five field goals tonight. <laughs> 29, 26, the oddest <laughs> final score I've ever heard. Hey, some, it's Monday night. All right. Game there of you year, go. 29, Chiefs 20, and Eagles tonight. Be there in front of the TV. I'll be doing a post-game show, of course, for Jacob Media. You guys, want you be wise to hang out tonight with us. We're going to be up very late tonight. And we'll be doing a post-game show. So uh, don't forget to get the live reaction right after that game with Jacob Media. All right. Uh, and we're doing it from live from Ocean Casino, of course. Uh, okay, let's move on because the NFL had a weekend where we had to not pay attention to any Eagle action, but we paid attention to the, the rest of the league. Uh, so this is my version of Around the NFL where it's the uh, five thoughts about what I noticed in the league this Sunday and the games that I watched and the games that I followed on Red Zone. The whole bit. All right. Number one. I got to I gotta go here. I picked this game with the points, of course. The New York football giants, give them some love, baby. 31-19, to 19, they take care of the lousy 
Washington Commanders, and I will say this, borrowing a line from the Godfather, uh, oh, Ron Rivera, won't see him no more. Yeah, he's about walking the plank. He's well get it. Josh Harris can't wait to fire his ass. So they lose to the Giants, thirty-one to nineteen. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the quarterback for the Giants, none other than Tommy DeVito, eighteen for twenty-six for two forty-six, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a rating of one thirty-seven point seven. Tommy DeVito. And then after one of the touchdowns, one of his players slapped him on the shoulder pads and said, good throw, Tommy. And he said, eh, what do you got for me? I'm a good shot. <laughs> and, and then, and then Anto- Antonio Gibson from Washington heard the conversation and, and said, uh, uh, how can you miss it this distance? And Tommy DeVito said, Anthony, you got a problem with what I done? It was played out on the field. I heard the audio. There you go. All right. Saquon Barkley, by the way. By the way. 14 for 83. uh, And four four catches, 57 yards, and a couple touchdowns. Saquon, licking his wounds from a Penn State football season, decided to take it out on Ron Rivera's commanders. We'll see him no more. Nope. All right. Number two. The Chargers lose again. This is, I swear to God, this team has a bad cloud over them. It, It follows them everywhere they go. They, they lose, like they give games away. They lose. Here's a stat. It's the seventh straight loss by three points or less since last season. That's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to, to lose. When you have talent like that, to lose the way they lose. Now they have a losing record. They're probably out of the playoffs. And the Packers beat them with Jordan Love going off. <laughs> he stinks. So so after the game, uh, safety Aloe Gilman said, we just fed up. That's a quote, direct quote. Brandon Staley has to be gone at the end of his eighth year. That team has no direction and no ability to finish. That falls on the head coach. All right? So there you go with the Chargers. Steelers! Ah. I picked this one, too. I picked against the Steelers. Cleveland Browns survive 13 to 10. Not, not playing PJ Walker, playing Dorian Thompson Robinson, the UCLA kid who was tutored by one Chip Kelly, 24 43 for 165. Get this 24 passes he completed for 165 yards. That's 3.8 <laughs> per completion. Dude, throw the ball down the field for crying out loud. Anyway, they win. And the Steelers, listen, I may have been wrong on Kenny Pickett. I liked him, uh, and he was 15 for 28 for 106 yards. Kenny, Kenny, what are you doing to me? Najee Harris after the game says this. I'm just at a point where I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, let's go to number four, the Cowboys. Uh, here's the, the Cowboys are like the Penn State. Of the NFL, they're really good until they play a team that's really good. So uh, they romped over the sad sack Carolina Panthers. Oh my God! The Panthers thought they had a plan down there, right? The hair Frank Reich, who is the most overrated coach maybe in NFL history. I, I don't know what he's done to have this great lofty reputation, but anyway, they get smoked thirty-three to ten, 
and they have the wrong quarterback, mind you, now to build for the rest of the, the, the their whole organization. And they may have to pull a plug on that like right away. All right, number five, 49ers. Uh-oh, they're back. 27 to 14 over the Bucs. And you ready for this? Brock Purdy, who a lot of people are saying, see, when he doesn't have all his weapons, he's no good. How about this? He unfurls a perfect passer rating. He was 21 for 25, 333, three TDs, 158.3 passer rating. He is the only the second 49er quarterback in their illustrious history to post a perfect passer rating in a game where he had at least 15 attempts. Well, you know who uh, is the, uh, the original, right? Darren? Of course I do. It's All Joe right. Montana. Actually, Joe Montana and Steve Young have done it. They did it in the same season. Okay. So my question to you now is, give me five other quarterbacks. You just gave me one. So give me four, the most recent five, no, four notable quarterbacks before Brock Purdy and in, in the realm of Joe Montana. Five of those famous guys. What are you talking Quarterback. about? You Quarterbacks that you look 49 years ago. Uh, that he was a starter. He was a good starter. He was a good starter. He was a good starter. For the last, the Niners. The, Niners the, la the last five. I'll, I'll start it off. Oh, I'll say the kid, um, Jeff. Uh, oh, my God. Former Eagle. Yeah, Steve Young, obviously. Former Eagle, Jeff. Oh, my God. Jeff Garcia. All Jeff right. Garcia. God damn. Jeff Garcia. So you got Steve Young, um, Jeff Garcia. Keep Jeff going. Garcia. Notable 49er quarterbacks that are in your memory bank. <laughs> wow, they've been bad for a while. Dude, they're huh? two obvious ones. Well, there's Garoppolo. No. If you want to consider no, him he good. Stinks. I'm not uh, even putting him on the list. All right. Uh, you're not good at under fire. You're not good under fire. You put, yeah, you're I'm not. not. You, put me on, you put me on the spot here. Uh, Who kneeled down for crying out loud? Got it kneeled. Oh, uh, yes, Colin Kaepernick. Okay, Colin Kaepernick. Alex, Alex Smith. Smith. And let's right. go way back. When I first started watching NFL football, this man was a stud for the 49ers. John Brody. John Brody. Oh, my <laughs> God. There you go. Those are, those are five thoughts uh, around the NFL for me. All right. Let's get to the big news here in Philadelphia. Baseball teammates of news. They signed Garrett Stubbs. No, that's not the big news. Garrett Stubbs, by the way, signed for like uh, 650000 <laughs> I I guess he could buy a new pair of those silly, those silly overalls. He could buy a new pair with the $650,000. Oh, my God. No, it's Aaron Nola. Now, they, there was a lot of fuss coming from the Phillies. Ah, you know what? We might not sign them. Man. All this negotiating ploy, all of a sudden, they whip out a seven-year deal. They didn't give anybody a seven-year deal. They give Aaron Nola a seven-year seven -year deal. Now, uh, it's the seven-year deal it puts his AAV at 24.5 a year, which is a lot less than some other pitchers who have signed. And, you know, you can go to the Garrett Coles, and I go to the Carlos Rodones for crying out loud, the Yankees signed last year, whose AAV is higher than Aaron Nola. But seven years, 172 for Aaron Nola, which I believe is a good signing because they had no choice. Uh, you, know, you can go out and, and try to find another guy 
but you you got a guy who's who throws reliable innings and hasn't been hurt, and there's something to be said for that rather than take a chance at another guy and let him walk and maybe let him walk to the Atlanta Braves. So they had to go the seventh year. They they really had a gun to their head at this point. They give him the seven years. Now, four years into this contract, let's face it, he'll be a piece of crap. There's no, there's no way at age 35 that Aaron Nola is going to be that effective. He's turning 31, right? So they'll get four years out of him. And in that fourth year or the fifth year, he's cooked beyond belief. There's no way. Like his velocity is declining now. He gets older. He's got to like be an 89-mile-an-hour fastball guy who gets people out with guile when he's 35 years old. So, Darren, what is your opinion of this signing? I, I agree. They didn't have a whole lot of options. Um, um, he's not a power pitcher, so he's not going to decline as quickly as some pitchers at his age. But I think they looked, They didn't have a lot of options. I still would like to see them make a move for the Japanese kid if they can. It's not my money. Uh, but, yeah, they had to sign him. They, they really did because if you go into – next season with just Wheeler and then, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, Wheeler and Ranger. And then, you know, maybe, maybe not that, that would put a lot of pressure for Taiwan Walker's big salary. I, I, if if they're going to get the Japanese guy, Taiwan Walker's going in a trade somewhere. Uh, But uh, here's what I'll say about Nola. And maybe I'm wrong when he gets up in in age because, you know, there are guys like Charlie Morton who pitch with guile and pitch with stuff and location, all that stuff. And they're still hanging in the league. Charlie Morton's older than Aaron Nola. So maybe they can get more years out of him. Uh, at that point, it, it, here's the thing about these long-term contracts. You don't worry about the back end. You don't worry about Turner being 40 at the back end of the contract or or Bryce Harper. Uh, but here's the ironic thing about Bryce Harper. He's represented by Scott Boris. Now Scott Boris wants to renegotiate. This is the beauty of superstars. You can sign a 15-year contract. And into the 15-year contract, which is inevitably going to be under market value at some point, and Bryce Harper's is under value, then you gotta you gotta give him more to meet up with with the with the value. So there's no there's no downside to signing that long term of a contract because you can always get more. And Middleton is now all fancied up about giving Bryce, uh, Bryce Harper more. Hey, they knock yourself out. It's not my money, but you know I think it shows a lot of nerve. for Boris to ask for an extension after that kind of contract. But that's just me. All right. That's Aaron Nola. Good luck to the fighting Phils. They inked a couple of guys back last year. They did not uh, retain um, the first baseman, which I think, uh, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe maybe he's going to get signed by somebody to a multi-year deal. Um, I would have made at least dangled a one-year deal for him at like 15 mil just to see if he would have taken it. But they're they're not, and Reese Hoskins is is going to be gone. So you got basically your same starting lineup with Bryce Harper as your first baseman next year. Castellanos is your right fielder. Uh, who's your left fielder? Still got to fill that gap. Do you, do you trust the Pachés of the world to play there? Do you trust Rojas there with Martian left? I don't know what they're going to do there, but I would think they're going to sign a right-handed bat. All right, that's the baseball uh, part of the. Uh, the, the part we call the current on the Mike Masnelli podcast, which was the Eagles preview around the NFL and a little Philly news. Uh, I wouldn't mention the Sixers, but uh, I'm so excited about the uh, in-season tournament that I, can't, I haven't gotten my bearings uh, uh, over it yet. I'm, I'm just too excited to talk about it. So uh, maybe next week we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the Sixers. 
Uh, all right. Of course, you know what time it is for now. It's time for Mike Unleashed. I got some stuff for Mike Unleashed today. So let me start just with a, a little personal situation that I experienced last week, which I did not bring up on the last podcast. Um, and uh, I got out of town. It was my birthday weekend. I got out of town. I went to San Diego. And I went to see uh, the National, which is, if you've heard me talk about uh, my favorite group going right now, it's the National. A lot of people don't know about them. Only hip people know about them. They've been around for a really long time. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're different. I will say they're different. Their lead singer, Matt Berninger, has this boozy voice, and uh, it's, uh, it's very unique, and I, I like them. And so uh, uh, I went to this place on the San Diego State Campus called uh, the, it was an amphitheater on the campus of San Diego State. And let me tell you something, first of all, about, about the, uh, the young co-eds that are going to school these days. And I don't know how they dress in the Northeast because it's, it's chilly. But in California, these girls are insane. And I, and I Darren, I, I mean to tell you, it, it is like, it's booby central for young girls these days. Uh, yeah, I have a daughter in high school, and it's there are times when I have to, like, you know, she goes out with their friends. They all wear the same outfits, by the way, when girls get together, whether they're in high school, college, or whatever. They all look the same. They dress the same, either in a dress or with the, the tank top and the sweatpants. They all like, it's like they're all twins and clones of each other, the clothing-wise. Yes, California. They're extremely look, showy. It's Indian and I'm telling you, I, if, I, if I was a student at San Diego State, a dude in that age group, my head would be on a swivel. And you know, I, I don't mean to be some leering like granddad here, but I, I just had to mention it. All right. So uh, during the concert, pretty good seats towards the front. There were two couples in front of me. One couple made out the entire two and a half hour concert. The, the entire two and a half hour concert. They're making out during the concert. I'm sitting there listening to the concert, and this is in front of me the whole time. The PDA was out of control. And I'm looking at them, and they're, they're people, they're in their early 40s. They had to be in their early 40s. And I'm going, is it me, or is this weird? And the couple next to them, the same thing for the entire concert. Can you explain PDA at a concert for me? Because when I go to a concert, I go to focus. Yeah, I, I don't. I look. I'm married 18 years, so like you know, I my wife and I go to a concert. We're definitely just there for the music and to have a good time. But I, I don't know. I just you pay all that money. You want to hear the show, don't you? You don't want to just sit hey, there listen, and take out though. Listen, I get, maybe it's early day. You lovey dovey. You get occasional. You get yeah. occasional kissy kissy, okay. little hug. You, know, you, you rock together. You all take arms around the whole concert. And I'm talking about deep. Tongue makeout sessions. All right, no peck, no pecky peck. These are like makeout sessions, like nonstop. nonstop for the whole concert. <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah, that's so. Uh... If you have any thoughts on PDA, I would love to hear from the people. And this is where you email me because uh, you know these little issues. I. I, it's, I could be totally wrong. It could be like, oh, well, Mike, you're in love. Well, don't be in love when you go home. 
Be low when you go home, the national and play right in front of you. You're not even watching them. All right. <laughs> Mike at MikeMiss.com if you, if you want to email me on the subject of PDA at a concert. Okay. Uh, let's move on. I flew first class to San Diego. Now, Darren knows that I have this bulky knee that I'm having surgery on next month. So um, to be stuffed in a three-seat coach would have been really problematic for me on the knee. I had to have a place where I could a little stretch out. So I paid the extra. I paid a ton of money to fly first class. It's not something I do a lot. And I did it because I had to medically, I think. So, uh, so I, I get on the flight and uh, the, the, I got a window seat on the way home. And there's a guy that's to my right. Now, uh, the guy to my right looks like, uh, the typical California Republican. That's my, that was my, my favorite. Like he's, he's a, he looks like a business gentleman and he's got a San Diego country club, uh, top on, and, and he's got the glasses and, and the whole bit of haughty, haughty, like business type. And I'm going, ah, that's, that's gotta be a, a California white bread Republican. Well, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just what the guy was next to me. So, uh, so the guy then puts his phone out to watch live TV on the plane. Guess what he's watching? He's watching Fox News. He's got got Fox News on the screen for the whole five-hour flight. So so I try to get out to go to the bathroom, and and he gives me a huff. He gives me the huff. I'm trying to, excuse me, I got to get back. He gives me the huff voice. He gives me the harumph. Now... I get, I get the harumph. I, watch fly, I gotta go to the bathroom. So that ticked me off a little bit. So I come back in my seat. I'm reading a book now called White Fragility, <laughs> which is a book on how what? white people deny their racism. And I pull the book up and I make sure he's got, he sees the title, and I do him one better. I put my live TV on and I got CNN on. <laughs> Oh, just, God. just to mess with the guy, just to see what his reaction is. These are the things you got to do to amuse yourself. Here's the second <laughs> issue: sitting in first class. I hate cable news, but okay. The first, the second issue: sitting in on first class. Is it appropriate for people from coach to come through the curtain that is up for first class and use your first class bathroom? Oh man, I've never sat first class, so I don't. I I've sat. No, I get. I don't know. I have no idea. Is it appropriate? <laughs> well, <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, it's a bathroom. Like, should of there be? A, it's a bathroom. Should yeah. there be a hint that it's not appropriate when they put a curtain up? I'm what? not trying to be haughty. I listen. This was a once in a, a, a lifetime, like first class, and I did it for yeah. for a, 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 a specific reason. But I'm watching all these right. schleppers, and it's not cheap, by the way. So you're, you're paying for a little bit of, you know, some, some perks here. And one of the perks is you got a bathroom that serves 10 people in first class. The coach people have their own bathroom back there. Yeah, I guess I guess you I guess it is. Now, yeah, a lot of people are going to say, that's obnoxious, that Mike. Is it? Because you're paying a lot of money is for the seats. You're gosh, you're gosh damn right I pay a lot of money for the seats. You know how much I pay for those seats? I don't want you to. All right. 
I'll get mad at you. <laughs> and I did it for my knee. People for spending frivolously. And I'm watching these schmoes come in. I gotta go to the bedroom. I got three coach schmoes waiting in line. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. You pay those seats are really expensive, and that's an amenity. I would first of all, I have never done that. All right, I I, I respect I the hierarchy. If those people are paying a lot of money, I don't. Even if I'm sitting in row ten, which is closer to the bathroom in the front of the plane than it is the back, I'm not going to go through the curtain. With my rights, if you go through the curtain, the flight attendants just say, "Oh, home." So, hold. Oh, that's a Seinfeld episode. Remember, Elaine tried to come in? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they did it. They didn't say anything? No. And then I walk in. Yeah, going, what am I paying for? I'm paying for special I privileges. Yeah, I, I, I would expect them to. I'm surprised they didn't. Oh, what their dirty, dirty, dirty asses on my toilet seat. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's the end for... Uh, Mike on leash for today, folks. Hope you <laughs> wait. We didn't even talk about Franklin. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, I completely forgot about it. You get so wrapped up yeah, in I was your so flight. wrapped up in my flight and my obnoxious uh, 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 hierarchy of uh, uh, leadership in the in first class. Uh, James Franklin. <laughs> um, he is the Penn State football coach. I've lost my patience with the program, as you know. Uh, I've been bitching about this issue for a really long time, about how Penn State people are really soft. This was a year they had a chance, and they got dominated by the two teams that always dominate them, Ohio State and Michigan this year, and once again are ineligible for that 14 playoff. Now, when the playoff goes to 12, it's going to be a big uh, thing for Penn State fans, right? Um, I am not a fan of James Franklin. I'm not a fan of him. Um, for a lot of different reasons. I don't like a coach that tries to snow you. I like a coach with honesty. I don't like a coach that talks around the issue and tries to dazzle you with BS, which I think he does a lot. And then there are a lot of people that say, well, he's a terrible game day coach. His record against Ohio State and Michigan is pathetic. His record against top 10 teams is pathetic. But Penn State people seem to be happy with the status of the program and that it's clean and that you win 10 games every year and you go to a New Year's Six Bowl sometimes or you go to the Gator Bowl other times. People are happy with that. Um, I'm raised in Philadelphia where losses, I take them harder. I don't live in Happy Valley, even though I went to college there, where, where this, you know, the mountain air cleans everybody's palate and, and, and you're not dissatisfied when the Penn State football program underachieves. And I go, why can't they be as good as Ohio State and Michigan? Just recruit better than them. That's within the program's realm. And it never seems to get done. And I, I can't see a time when it's ever going to get done. Uh, so last week, when they lost to Michigan, he got into Franklin, James Franklin, the coach, got into a little tiff with a reporter about uh, his decision making. So here, here's what he did. Um, with 421 left, he, he went for... Uh, he went for a first down. He was at the Penn State 30. And he and he went for a, a fourth and six. And he didn't get it. So he turns it over to Michigan. And uh, they Michigan TD. And Michigan scores to make it 24 to nine. Um, okay, but before that, in the first half, Penn State had scored with 538 left in the first half. They went for two there. 
Now, I, I don't know what the analytics say there. That game was 14 to 9 at the time. If you kick the, the extra point, it's 14 to 10. It's early in the game. It, it's when you go for two there, it looks like you're chasing points. His rationale was if we get the two, obviously, instead of 14 to 10, it would be 14 to 11, and we're within a field goal. But it's there's five minutes to go in the first half. Should that matter then at that position? All right, I'll, I'll let him go for that. And that's good. It's a little early for that thinking. All right. go ahead. So then he, 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 they, they give up the ball on fourth and six with 421 left in the game. The game is still in doubt. You can still stop them defensively and get the ball back. But he gives Michigan the ball after they don't convert a fourth and six at the 30-yard line, in which they take like five plays to score another touchdown and make it 24 to nine. Later on in the game, Penn State's now in desperate mode. They score with 216 left to make it 24 to 15. A PAT makes it still a one possession game. It would make it 24 to 16, and you still have a chance to stop them, get a touchdown, and get the two point conversion to tie. If you go for the two point conversion there and don't make it, you lose the game right there. He decided to go for two. Yeah, game's over. They didn't get it. The game is over. So after the game, he was asked about these situations by a reporter named Dave Jones, who's a a friend of mine from way back in the day when I was a reporter with the Philadelphia Inquirer. He's still reporting. He works for Penn Live, And they got into a a, a little bit of a back and forth, and here's how it sounded. James, the two-point conversions, the first one, why chase points in the second quarter when you don't know whether the score is going to be in the fourth? The second one, why not make it a one-score game and keep your team alive with an extra point? Yeah, uh, again, um, very similar answer is we felt like points were going to be hard to come by. We were down by four. We wanted to put ourselves in a position to get it back to a field goal game. Um, Again, those were all the numbers we worked through from an analytics standpoint as a staff. Everybody was comfortable with that. It was the right thing to do. Obviously, we didn't pick it up. The second one, what about the second one? Not not kicking an extra point. Yeah, for the same reason. Jim. I don't, I don't understand the logic there. You're making an eight-point game to keep your team alive. Okay, you, you don't agree with it. I'm just telling you that's the decision. I didn't think the answer had anything to do with the second one. The first one I understand. Yeah, we're trying to get back. We're trying to get points. We felt like points were going to be hard to come by. We wanted to get it back. Well, there's two and a half minutes left in the right, game. Dave, Dave, I've answered your question. I don't think you did. Okay. So, that blows over. In his presser last week, during the weekday, I think he does it on the Monday, he was on a podcast with LeVar Arrington. And uh, he was talking about the temerity of referring to the reporter, asking him a tough question, uh, and using the rationale that some people in that setting will ask you a question and speak to you in person in that setting where they would never speak to you in real life in that setting. Now, are you kidding me? Seriously, the reporter asked a legitimate question about strategy that had to do something with Penn State losing the football game. Completely appropriate questions and completely appropriate to go back and forth with the coach if he doesn't give you the answer that answers the question. But then to reflect back on it, You turn it back like, how dare he speak to me in a tone like that to question me? I'm the great James Franklin. 
Who are you? God? I mean, I listened to that. I could not believe it. He Listen, I'm already frustrated with, with the program. I'm already frustrated with James, Fra- James Franklin. I'm already frustrated with the fact that they're going to have eight more years of this head coach. And if they move on from him, they're going to owe a ton of money, like $56 million, which they're not going to do because Penn State doesn't throw away money. I'm frustrated, folks. And Penn State fans who are not frustrated, I don't know where you come from. I really don't. I would love to have been raised on on, on uh, sunflowers and iced tea uh, in, in a green meadow where you were raised. All right. That does it for Mike Unleashed for today. Let's close it down. Um, again, if you want to email me about the, any of these issues, in fact, if you're a Penn Stater and didn't like what I just said, I'd love to have a little con- conversation with you. Email-wise, mike at mikemiss.com. Send me an email. You can also uh, check me out on Twitter at mikemiss25. And uh, if you want a shout-out for the holidays, this is the time you think about it. I'll give you a personal shout-out. Mike Missnelli, shout-out. I'll talk to you like for a minute or so. I'll get into your life. It, 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 a lot of people have asked me to do it for for the ho- a holiday wish for somebody, uh, a, a wedding wish, an engagement, a kid going to college. I'll give you a personalized shout out uh, because you've been a listener of mine for a lot of years, and I really appreciate that. And I love communicating with the people who have been listening all these years. So there you go. That is today's Mike Missinelli podcast. Uh, for Darren, uh, I am Mike Missinelli. Tonight, Eagles and Chiefs, and we will have a special podcast for you tomorrow morning going over the action in tonight's game. Until then, have a great rest of the day. It's a beautiful, nippy day out there, and be safe out there. This is Mike Missanelli saying we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.